WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts, Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. Pain is something that we're all familiar with, but scientists don't really know too much about pain. Though we understand the receptors and the pathways that may be involved with pain, whenever it comes to actually treating it, it can be quite difficult. For example, if a patient is going through a type of procedure like chemotherapy, it can be very difficult to administer certain medications that could help them with their pain. Some approaches that people are taking are natural approaches or spiritual approaches. We're joined by Megan Miller, who is here to talk to us about how holistic approaches can help with traditional approaches to cancer therapy. Megan, can you introduce yourself a little bit, please? Hello, and thank you so much, Chelsea and Daniel. I'm so glad to be here today. So I am actually just completing the PhD program in nursing, and I'm also a registered nurse. And through my experiences with working in palliative care and hospice, I was really interested, became interested in the mind-body connection and how our mind, body, and spirit work together to create our overall experience. So my research focuses on how spirituality, really broadly defined, might be implemented to help support people with advanced cancer when they're facing pain. Thanks for joining us this morning, Megan. Could you tell us a little bit about what the mind-body connection is and what that means in a biological sense? Yes. In many traditions, the mind, body, and spirit are seen as interrelated or actually weaved together to create our overall human experience. So biologically speaking, we know that our thoughts and our emotions have a really big impact in the way that we experience our physical reality. So for instance, I work with people who are experiencing pain. And so we know that their thoughts and emotions and even their connection to their spirituality deeply impact the way that they experience the symptom of pain. So the idea is that all of these human dimensions are interrelated and they work together to create our experience. I completely agree with you. The way how people's mindset are really does affect their health. For example, if someone is stressed out, it can affect their health pretty negatively. And there are a lot of studies on that. I remember that you said that spirituality was very broadly defined in this scenario, but I'm wondering if you can explain a little bit more about them. When you say spirituality, some people may think of religion. Others may think of things like meditation or yoga or even down to just living a healthy lifestyle and like eating vegan or something like that. What are the criteria that you're looking at with spirituality? Hmm, That's a great question and one that I get quite often. So I started this project in going into past studies that have looked at spirituality. And so how it's been defined overall is a dynamic process by which humans experience connection with ourselves, with others, with nature, with a higher power, and with a sense of meaning. So all of those dimensions kind of work together to create the experience of spirituality. And for some people that may include religion and for other people it may not. So in my current research, I had the opportunity to look at spirituality assessments in both a quantitative way and a qualitative way. So for the quantitative portion of the research, 
we used an instrument that assessed each of those dimensions. So connection with self, others, nature, higher power, and a sense of meaning. And we had specific questions that people were able to self-report. Zero, they didn't resonate with that question at all. Up to four, they resonated the most with that question. So that was our best attempt at kind of quantifying spirituality. And of course, it means different things to different people. So uh, there are a lot of different perspectives on spirituality. And then as another part of the research that I'm completing, I was able to do qualitative interviews with people with advanced cancer. And there I asked them to self-define spirituality. You mentioned that qualitatively you're conducting these surveys and you're asking these patients questions. Are you only asking them questions about spirituality or are you also asking them questions about their physical health since you mentioned that you're a registered nurse? So in both the quantitative portion of the research and the qualitative portion, we were focusing on how spirituality might impact the experience of pain for people with advanced cancer. So we assessed both pain and spirituality throughout the whole research project. And in the qualitative part, we also began with a broad, open-ended question, basically asking, tell us about your experience with advanced cancer, so that we could contextualize the rest of their responses. Earlier, you had briefly mentioned and alluded to a couple of practices in holistic medicine that compound with the cancer therapy, but could you expand a little bit more about what specific practices you observed during your tracks that you would watch during these cancer treatments? And what was the impact of watching these holistic approaches taking place? So my experience with integrative therapies for people with cancer is primarily from the research perspective. So during the qualitative interviews that I conducted, they were with women who had advanced breast cancer. And women often spoke about their experience with using what they called spiritual practices to help self-manage their pain. So women in my study specifically talked about using things like prayer, mindfulness meditation, connection with their friends and family, and engaging in service activities. It's interesting to note that most of the patients that you're conducting these interviews and studies with are women who have breast cancer. Whenever these women need to have a mastectomy, which is the removal of breast tissues, do you investigate how that affects their mental health and how spirituality can help with stuff like that and with the healing process after? That is a great question, and it wasn't something that we had set out to look at during this research. But surprisingly, during the qualitative interviews, many women talked about the body changes that they faced from their mastectomy and also from losing their hair and how that impacted their entire identity in some cases. So women also talked about how spirituality helped them form a new identity or almost a more solid identity that wasn't based on external factors such as their loss of hair or their loss of breasts, that they were able to use spirituality to help them integrate that difficult experience. You performed all of these different surveys of these women that had breast cancer. Out of all of the approaches that were asked about during your study, which one seemed like it was the most effective with improving the health of these women? 
So the findings of this work cannot speak to the efficacy of any of these integrative therapies, especially because it was a qualitative study and we were just getting information about women's qualitative experiences of using them. So we don't have any data on which ones work best, but there is quite a bit of prior research that could help answer that question. We found overall that women talked about visualization, prayer, and meditation most commonly, and most of our participants reported that using a combination of those helped to reduce their pain. It goes without saying that planning for any PhD project usually involves a lot of comprehensive details like the ones that you just gave us. In regards to the people that were involved with your study, what kind of demographics were you looking at, as well as like what age range were they? In both the quantitative and the qualitative phases of this work, women with advanced breast cancer were the demographic that I was focusing on. For the quantitative phase of the work, I was able to do an analysis based on an existing data set, and that data set was created as part of a National Cancer Institute-funded study led by Dr. Gwen Wyatt. And I am very fortunate to be able to use this large data set, which focused specifically on women with advanced breast cancer. These women had a mean age of 56 years they were primarily Caucasian, and they were all receiving some type of cancer therapy. For the qualitative portion of the work, that was an original study that I was able to recruit a new sample of women. We wanted these samples to be about equal across their characteristics, so I used the same criteria to recruit that sample. So again, they were all women with advanced breast cancer, and they were all receiving some type of cancer treatment. Thanks for explaining that. I am really curious about how this can really change when it comes to people of other demographics. We've recently had people on our show that have talked about the importance of cultural approaches when it comes to dealing with different things like sexual assault. And I bet that if similar approaches like cultural approaches were taken in medicine, you could probably see some of the same positive effects that you observe whenever you're performing these different holistic spiritual approaches. Yes. So we know from previous studies that people from different cultural backgrounds often experience spirituality differently. So moving forward, that is an incredibly important aspect of future research. There also might be some demographic groups that resonate more closely with certain therapies and not as closely with other therapies. I really like the idea that positive thinking can help people move forward and live healthier lives as well as promote healing. What have you gathered from your studies that you think can help towards future interventions and therapeutic approaches? During the qualitative interviews, when I asked women to describe their pain, I found it really interesting that people often talked about many different symptoms and how they were intertwined. So for instance, their experiences of pain, fatigue, and depression, they all kind of blurred together. So moving forward, I'm really interested in looking at clusters of symptoms and how integrative therapies might help with multiple symptoms. 
it's great that there's pioneers out there like you that are exploring how holistic approaches can be in conjunction with these traditional approaches to improve patients' overall health as well as mentality. But in your ideal world, where would you take this research if it were funded for the next step? So I'm interested in developing and testing mindfulness meditation interventions as supportive care for pain management. And mindfulness meditation is all about experiencing non-judgmental awareness of the present moment, or at least practicing being able to do that. And prior research looking at mindfulness meditation in pain shows that the subjective experience of pain can be lessened with this practice, basically because it helps us let go of our judgments and interpretations about the pain and really just be present and experience it. Moving forward to an even bigger picture, I envision that every person that is given a pain management protocol is also taught different integrative therapies and self-management interventions, such as meditation. Thanks for telling us about your research. We haven't interviewed a student that is getting their PhD and is a registered nurse. What is that like? Do you have to get clinical experience alongside with the research experience? Nurses in our PhD program are starting at all different points in their career trajectory. So I joined the PhD program directly from my BSN, and I didn't have much clinical experience to work with. So when I was designing my dissertation study, I really knew that I wanted it to be grounded in clinical practice. So I had the opportunity to complete clinical hours or a clinical practicum experience at the Sparrow Hospice House and also with Sparrow Palliative Care. So they designed a wonderful experience for me where I was able to work with nurses, chaplains, social workers, and other people in the field. I also regularly volunteer with the Hospice of Lansing, and this is helpful to keep my feet on the ground in clinical practice. Some nurses join our PhD program and work at the bedside the entire time, and other nurses have worked for many years and they have all the clinical experience they could need. So it's really a case-by-case basis on whether we have more clinical experience. I think it's really evident to our audience that you have a clear passion for nursing from earning your bachelor's of science in nursing or your BSN to completing your PhD in nursing. A lot of us don't know, however, like what is the process of becoming a nurse? And then what do you plan to do once you're finished with your PhD? The process of becoming a nurse included a four-year undergraduate program, and I completed mine here at Michigan State. And that program includes both in-person courses and clinical experiences in many different areas. So we completed a number of clinical hours in order to be eligible to graduate along with our coursework. After graduation, we would complete the boards, which if passed successfully, leads to becoming a registered nurse. I completed both of those steps before I began the PhD program. Now that I am completing the PhD program, I have a postdoctoral research associate position at the University of Wisconsin-Madison School of Nursing that I will be beginning next fall. 
Thanks, Megan. I think that information will be really helpful for people that are considering pursuing a career in nursing. You had earlier mentioned that you volunteer at different things. Could you explain your volunteering efforts and maybe other things that you're involved with as well? Yes. So right now I am co-facilitating Death Cafe Lansing, and that is an open space to talk about death and dying. And we've had some really interesting conversations. So if anyone feels like joining, you can find us on Facebook under Death Cafe Lansing. And I'm also the founder of the Creative Dying Project, and that is focused on starting conversations about death and helping support people with end-of-life planning. So you can also find us on Facebook under the Creative Dying Project or at creativedying.org. Thank you so much for joining us today, Megan, to talk to us about your research and how important these different approaches can have on a patient's overall well-being during their time in the hospital. The Sci-Files is hosted by Chelsea Boodoo and Daniel Puentes for Impact 89FM. Thank you to our news director, Sophie Sagan, program director, Amber Konutsky, station manager, Joe Dandron, and general manager, Jeremy Whiting. This show, as well as the entire Impact 89FM podcast lineup, can be found online at impact89fm.org or by searching for The Sci-Files on your favorite podcast directory. If you're an MSU student and want to be featured on The Sci-Files, or if you have any questions, you can contact us at sci-files at impact89fm.org. See you next week on The Sci-Files. Thanks for listening, and remember, the truth is in the science.